Welcome back, everybody, to Cultivate Advisors, where we are on Catapult Your Business. We are helping you catapult your business one question at a time. Thanks again for joining. My name is Casey Clark. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Cultivate Advisors, and I've got a really great question. We're going to help you catapult this. It's going on right now. How do you still grow and thrive in your business when there's maybe a looming recession or you're in a recession or you're dealing with economic turbulence? How do you approach the business from mindset to leadership to the offensive and defensive tactics that you have to pursue as an owner? We all know business, decision, things go up and down. There's wins, there's losses. How do you navigate this? I've got a pretty good expert joining me today to talk about this. Please welcome to the show, Mr. Colin Bowman. Colin, welcome. Thanks, Casey. Good to be here. Well, we're glad you're here. For those that don't know, Colin is a partner and a team cohort leader, so oversees a bunch of advisors here at Cultivate and has just done a remarkable job helping continue to get businesses to grow, thrive, and propel their business. He's done a fantastic job. He's been in this leadership seat for a little while now and continues to bring amazing content to business owners. So we're in for a really big treat. Colin, you know, first off, why why do you like to be an entrepreneur? Like what what is it about you that like buys you into entrepreneurship and why are you so passionate about working with so many owners? Just curious so all the people listening in and entrepreneurs listening in can, you know, learn a little bit more about you. I just love hanging out with entrepreneurs. All I do all day long is talk to entrepreneurs. Like if you look at my calendar yesterday, it was like a tech company, then a garden design company, then a another service-based company. So I just love hanging out with them. And it's pretty unfathomable when you think about the impact and the reach that you have, especially with a small business. I think people get lost in big businesses and especially with small business where you're creating a bunch of different jobs and having a bunch of different... I'm sure you've had this experience, Casey, where you you encounter a business owner and you're like, wait, that's a business? Like, that's, that's such a cool new idea. So, what a cool way to make money. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So it hasn't gotten old yet. I love it. I love it. Well, obviously, you've been successful in your own venture. I know you had a background in franchising where you were supporting business owners. So, I mean, you've been doing this now near a decade of supporting businesses and helping them grow and scale and just a real treat. And I know I speak on behalf of, you know, Simone and Jeff and people you work with here over at Cultivate. You're doing a fantastic job. And thank you for all the just the work you've done to help make Cultivate special. And I know you'll continue to do so kudos to you. And thank you for that. We've got all these entrepreneurs listening in and they're trying to figure out during this economic turbulence, how do we approach this, right? And I thought it might be helpful. You've done a lot of work on this, I know. Can you just walk us through like how to even think about a recession? Like what are timelines of a recession? Just I think it'd be good if we put this in a box first and frame it out. And I know you have a lot of insight on that. Do you mind sharing with kind of what you've learned? Definitely. And the reason I put my hand up for this topic was I started with Cultivate after almost a decade in you know owning a franchise and then being in the franchisor role in 2020, February of 2020, which was actually yeah. a crazy time to start, you know, yeah. and since then I got a chance to work with, I counted it up prior to this podcast, 38 different industries in that time. And, and so a bunch of different ones that were actually at an advantage during that economy. And a lot of them, you know, like a restaurant, for example, that was in, in a really precarious spot. So I was just, I remember seeing that and I'm like, Hey, we should bring this more towards the forefront. And, and there wasn't a lot of data that I could find at least back then. on like, how do you navigate a big recession or a big market crash? So I've just been thinking about it a lot. And, and I think one of the things that has helped me was just going right to the definitions and looking at history and not looking at like the news or any other sensationalized version of what a recession is. So just to make right. it really simple, if you just look up like what is the definition of a recession, 
It's a period of temporary economic decline during which trade and industrial activity are reduced, generally identified by a fall in GDP or gross domestic product in two successive quarters. So <laughs> that's the technical side. That's the technical side. So then it's like, okay, that's the, the black and white kind of definition. And then it's more the on the qualitative side. It's like, so what happens during a recession? Yeah. Right, a few things. One is low performing companies often would go out of business. Employees would get let go. Borrowing money becomes harder. Like it's harder to get credit. It's harder to get a loan. Yep. Discretionary spending decreases. So people spend less money on yeah discretionary stuff. Stock market often goes down. And it just kind of reminds me of like a, a forest fire. It's actually part of nature to have a forest fire. And it's a good thing to have a right. forest fire because then all the, if you're using that same metaphor, all the big tall trees that are taking all the sun and water that are at the top that are blocking the smaller trees often get cut down. And then this, right. that, that kind of naturally resets the playing field for the smaller ones to grow. And so that's just kind of how I think about it. And one of the things that I, I looked at was just the history of recessions. And there's this, my, you know, the immortal Winston Churchill, he has this quote where it's like the further backward you can look, the further forward you can see. So it's actually yeah. fun if you just do some research on, you know, what's been the pattern of recessions up to this point. And I just, I have a screen that I'm looking at here that I, it was really helpful to me where it's got like the top 10 market crashes in U.S. history. And COVID was number 10. So that was a 34% drop in the market for 33 days. And then you can keep going all the way to like the dot-com bubble of 2000 to 2002, right. 37% drop, 27 months. 2008, Great Recession, 54% drop, 17 months, all the way down to the Great Depression, which was the longest one ever down in 1929. That was an 89% drop for 34 months consecutive. And right. so, so that's just the top 10 of all time. There have been other like kind of small resets here and there. What's so interesting about that is that if you look at the average length of the top 10 of all time, in terms of how, how long the market dropped, it was 16.4 months was the average. And if you look at the median, it was 15 months, Right. which actually should be kind of an encouraging in some ways, because when, if you watch the news, it's like the sky is always falling and like, there's no end in sight. That's what sells. That's what sells in the news. That's what sells, right? That's why Kobe Bryant watched sports games with the sound off. Right. He just wanted to see the game and not the commentary. But yeah. So if you look at that, it, it should be kind of encouraging because it's like, if you can just make it through a little over a year, 15 months, there's actually a major upside on the odds. Yeah. Cause then if you look at the flip side of that, so if you look at economic expansion cycles and I'm just talking in the U S the average length of those is 88.5 months and the median right. length was 93 months. So it's kind of, you know, if I'm looking at a graph here, it's like, yeah, there's a dip, but then there's always a big upswing. And, and I just found that really encouraging because again, if you can just make it through that 15 month dip, it could be longer, could be shorter, but in business, you play the averages. There's so much upside on the back end if you can do that. Are you getting the advice you need for your business from this episode? Do you want to get more than just one question answered and to have it customized to you and your business? Well, Cultivate Advisors works one-on-one -on -one with thousands of business owners every day. Let them help you scale your business today. Don't just listen to this episode. Take action and go to CultivateAdvisors.com to see which advisor you get matched with and receive a free two-hour business assessment on how you could scale your business to the next level. Act now at cultivatedvisors.com. Well, this is why, though, you also, what's your 15-month plan, right? When economic turbulence starts to hit, what's your plan? If you, you know, and people feel turbulence from that economic impact later, right? Like a lot of times, small business owners don't even feel the impact. It might start, and then six months later, you feel it for then the next 12 months. 
you know, from conversion rates to talent hiring to, you know, all different types of, you know, customer decisions that get made, like you said, discretionary income, depending on your business, depending on your widget, depending on your industry, it can totally shift of how and when you're going to feel it. So I don't think today, right? I don't think you're coming in saying, hey, we're in one right now guaranteed for you or you're affected by this. It's more about going when you start to feel that slowdown, when you start to feel those shifts, how should you approach this? And I guess I think that insight is really great to think about how do I brace myself? How do I support myself through that period? Knowing I'm probably going to get a growth period if I come out on the other side and make the right decisions. That makes me think about his leadership, right? Like it's not just you either. It's not your emotions. It's not your mindset. It's also your people's mindset, how they view things, how they approach it. You know, you've probably talked to clients about this. What's your advice right now to business owners when they're in that leadership seat or when they're talking to their leaders on their team of how they need to portray that communication, transparency? What, what does all that look like to you? Yeah. And I just think back when I started with Cultivate and we think about our time during that market crash of 2020, and I learned so many good leadership lessons from our our C-suite team during that time. Yep. Um, and I'll share a couple of those, but I think the biggest one is just showing that you have a plan, just showing that you have a plan, which I know sounds basic, but there's been a lot of business owners that I worked with before we had a formal advising engagement where they were kind of in a market crash or they were experiencing some recession-like things in the market and their team was thinking about it. They watch the same news that you watch. They see the same LinkedIn feeds that you see. It is on their mind. And if you don't say, hey, we're seeing the same things, here's our plan, here's what we're doing about it, they're not going to be as focused. They're not going to be as kind to one another. They're not going to be right. as long-term thinking. So even if it's like kind of an ugly situation, again, we work with restaurants in COVID that went to zero revenue overnight. Right, yes, we did. <laughs> but even if it's an ugly scenario, even if it's like, hey, we're gonna play this week by week, here's our plan in the next seven days, X, Y, and Z tactic, we're gonna update you again next week. That's actually a great leadership thing because it shows that there's someone who's really fully focused on this, driving the bus and not like, oh, there's this big piano that's about to drop on me and I don't know when it's going to drop and no one's talking about it. Mm. Well, that sounds basic, but that was, that was just, that's a big one that I think if you can just do that one thing, that'll solve a lot of it. The other concept that helped me a bunch, which is that concept of peacetime wartime CEO, which comes from Ben Horowitz book of, yep. uh, you know, hard thing about hard things. And essentially, it's the oversimplification is that the, the peacetime CEO would be like the thriving economy. Like there's we're talking about longer term plays. We're talking about like more nurture, growing you know, type of initiatives with their team, whereas the wartime CEO would be like, we've got one bullet in the chamber. We have to hit the target and we're going to make it work at all costs. And we're going to maybe subvert some protocols that we had in place just to move this faster, just to make sure that we have the right one runway that we need. So that's situational based on your business, but that just might be, for those listening, that might be a good article or just thing to read is the, the difference between a peacetime and wartime CEO and how you would lead differently in that. We see that, right? With all the owners we get a chance to work with, we see the different personalities. We see how they approach, you know, when risk and fear trickle in versus when ease and, and gain is in their forefront, right? And if you're listening in as an owner, maybe you struggle with this, maybe your team leaders struggle with this, but this is a real conversation that requires transparent discussion of how are we going to respond? How are we going to act? What do we need to change in our business to brace ourselves or work through this period? And again, I don't mean brace from a place of, you know, coming from a place of saying, oh, we're bracing because it's going to go down. It's actually going, how do we brace to have a stronger mechanism that'll help us push through whatever those elements might be so we can continue to grow or continue to hit our objectives, or in your case, the plan that we lay out together. I definitely buy into your plan concept too, though, Colin. I mean, I know when we went through that, 
it was, you know, a lot of people probably don't know this about us, right? We don't always share these details, but when we actually first got hit, we had a massive drop of clients, right? Because restaurants went to zero, tourism went to zero. We had several industries that just lights out. But the next month, because we implemented a very strategic, specific plan, we actually sold more businesses into working with us that, that following month than we had ever experienced. I don't know if we'll ever hit that record. I think that record is going to hold for quite a while. But that was because of the, we all banded together. We all realized what we had to go do and we had to behave differently. And we didn't lay anybody off because of that decision. Right. That started with a plan. <laughs> I remember that time and I remember how in some ways, like the feeling was different. It's, I know this isn't a really scientific thing to say, but there was a very like all in feeling during that market crash. And every, and I remember going on to one of our team huddles and, and hearing the leadership team saying, Hey, we we're not in a bad cash flow spot right now, but just to brace for that, none of the leadership team is going to, is going to pay themselves for the next couple months. Yeah. And I remember being on that call and being like, that is awesome. I am, 1000% in to be all hands on deck to make this thing work. And so I'm not saying that's the right thing for every owner to do, but that, that's just an example of like a wartime leadership tactic that yeah. worked really, really well. Yeah, absolutely. For those listening in, this isn't even just like, it doesn't even have to be recession-based, right? It can also be, I screwed up cash flow or I made a mistake. We have to adjust, right? That's a good example of like just how to think differently about how to build it. I know a lot of people listening in is like, I really want tactic though, right? This is good. Like here are the data. And like, now I understand the timelines. I, I have good clarity around like how I need to think like a leader, help break down some thoughts, right? Like we, you've really had some success stories, Colin, with your team and with the owners that you all serve and go on their journey. What are some of the in the weeds, like tactics that might be somewhat universal for a bunch of different people listening in? And I don't know if you want to start on the defensive side or the offensive side, but you take it where you want. I would just love to get some thoughts of what advice you're giving to businesses right now that might be feeling some of that economic turbulence? Yeah, well, I think we, the way you categorize it is perfect. Like we can make this so complicated, but if you wanted to just boil it down, it's defensive tactics and offensive tactics. Yeah. So I usually start with the defensive stuff. Yeah, I got seven that I've, I've seen work really, really well in a bunch of different industries. So I'll just kind of go through them and then um, unpack them a little bit. So one would just be to get a line of credit, which is better to do that now if you can than if it's, you know, true market crash that, you know, tightens that a little bit. So just getting a line of credit, everyone always asks me like, how, how big of a line of credit should I get? My general advice for that is to make it at least three months of burn rate. So a quarter's worth of burn rate or how much overhead you spend, regardless of how much revenue you bring in each month. So if you spend 20,000 a month on salaries and rent and all the other stuff, you'd want to get about a $60,000 line of credit or whatever three months of burn rate is for you. The other one would be changing your payment options from ACH to credit card. Why do I say that? Because it actually buys you 30 more days of runway. And again, if we're talking 15 months, 30 days is significant if, I, if it gives me a little bit more runway to get to that big growth up spur on the other side, right? Yep. So that'd be one. The second one we talked about a little bit already, but just getting really into the weeds on cash flow forecasting. I usually forecast, you know, best case, worst case, and then kind of gut call. And when I'm doing this with entrepreneurs, what we'll, what we'll often do is we'll, we'll put in decision triggers. Decision triggers meaning like, hey, once cash gets below this threshold, we're going to do this. Once it gets below this threshold, we're going to do this. And even if it's scenario, like, you're actually protecting by building scenarios. So instead of it happening, you've already ran the what if. You've already ran it. And you know what the decisions are. And that probably removes a lot of emotion and ease, you know, brings ease to owners. Oh, this is great. All right. So just, just to go back and then keep going, like credit line is really important. 
push over to credit cards, leverage. Not You're not saying go in credit card debt. You're saying you can still pay it all off. You're just saying buy that extra 30 to 45 day runway of cash. So you have the most cash possible, right? And then from there now, right, let's, let's keep moving on. What are some of the other defense tactics you can take on? Yeah, absolutely. And then even if it's an ugly scenario, like, again, we did this with restaurants. We're like, man, if it gets below this amount, we got to lay off half our staff. That was a really hard conversation to have, but it made it easier to do it when it came time, if it did get to that point, just because we had it in writing and planned in advance. So I just want to double click on that one. Next one would be review, review accounts payable. Like review your terms and see, hey, can we get a discount on rent? Can we get longer payment terms when you go net 60 versus net 30? You right. know, stuff like, like people are usually a little more flexible on that kind of stuff within a uh, market crash or recession. And again, if it gets us two more months versus one month of payment runway, that's significant in, a right. in, in that runway. That you can use that to fuel growth yeah, and, and maintain. Excellent. You know, the other one is just doing a SWOT analysis. I've worked with owners that they actually went to a whole new product or a new service during COVID because they, you know, for example, I worked with a CBD company who sold at festivals. Festivals were nixed. Gone. And then it was, okay, well, what, what, you know, the question that we then asked a bunch of our clients was, what's one unexpected benefit that you got from working with us? And the way that phrase matters, because they gave, you know, they were trying to basically search for things that we may not be thinking are at the forefront of our offering that they like. And that they, theirs turned into shipping. They liked how reliable and consistent their delivery service mm. was. And so that CBD company now became a 3PL, third-party logistics company, right. actually thriving and doing better. So that's an extreme example. I'm not saying you have to go do that big of a switch, but right. it is possible going from that industry to a totally different one based on those kind of questions. If there's something that's really affecting. And I, I think what's important too about this is that everything you're sharing, by the way, are also good tactics to be doing if you're not in a recession. It's just, it's almost like a double down of like, if you are feeling economic slowdown of any kind, you better be doing these things. And, but with the caveat of like, but you probably should have been doing these things anyway, in terms of just how you think about cash, how you think about protecting your most, for most owners listening in, your biggest asset, most likely you know, that you have ownership in. So love this. I'm conscious of time here, Colin. Can we talk a little bit more about some of the, you know, offensive strategies? Because, I mean, we see companies grow through this all the time. I think mindset matters a lot, but also the tactics you, you deploy. So any thoughts on like how to continue to drive revenue or other ways to continue to move offensively when you're in this environment? Yes. And I just want to, again, underline what you said is that so many times in, in market crashes because of the environment of fear, people just focus on defensive tactics and you're not, gonna, whatever matter, you're not going to cross the finish line or win the game. Like you're not going to do that by just playing defense. You have to play offense. So I'll give you a few things that I've seen on that. One of which, and again, this sounds obvious, but secure your current clients. How? What do you mean by that? Talk to them. Go talk to them in person if you can. Talk to them voice to voice if you can. Like do everything you can to ensure they're having a great experience. Or if there is any rumblings of like, oh, that may not be a great experience, fix it right away. Number two, I should say is the the messaging should change in a, in a down economy. And I often get questions of like, well, how should I change my messaging on my marketing or my sales copy? What should I do? Here's what you do. You click select all, and then you click delete and you change your messaging for a down economy. So what I mean by that is if you look at in COVID a company called sales Loft did a really cool study on like messaging that converts in sales and marketing. And they found that any messaging that was gain messaging. So things like, increase, better, ROI, improve, performed like 25% worse than protective messaging. So protective messaging would be words like secure, protect, de-risk, 
right? So for example, I worked with real estate clients who, instead of saying, get the best ROI in your home, because no one buys that in a down economy, they would instead say, de-risk your home buying process. Right. Or I work with marketing companies where instead of saying, increase your pipeline, they would say, secure your pipeline. Thanks for tuning in to Catapult Your Business, where Cultivate Advisors is helping you catapult your business one question at a time. Are you running your business or is your business running you? At Cultivate Advisors, they'll match you with an expert advisor and do a free two-hour deep dive for your business. This will give you the clarity you need on how to get your business to the next level. Cultivate has worked with thousands of businesses. What do you have to lose? So head over to CultivateAdvisors.com and sign up for your free two-hour session. Right. Same thing, same offering, but the language will totally react because everybody's going through this emotional aspect and they're thinking about things because they're all watching the news to bring it all full circle, right? You've got to pie into that. And I think you're right. Most owners sit back and just go, well, it's hard to grow right now. It's like, no, what are you optimizing and changing to, to evolve with the market? And that's, that's really the message here. Exactly. I know that sounds subtle, but it makes a big difference because so much of this stuff happens at a subconscious level. Oh my God. I mean, six, 7% conversion rate is what I just heard, right? In terms of a channel. If you want to not drop by six or 7% or increase by six or 7%, even if your conversion rate stays the same in your sales process, you know, if it, no matter if it's e-commerce or if you're in a formal, you know, B2B sales process, that will make a major impact and set you up to get through that period. Totally. And then the, one of the most common questions we got on like the offensive kind of capturing market share sales related stuff during the down economy was, should we give discounts? And I have a client who has a line there. He's like, is there an F in discount? No, there's no F in discount. We don't give discounts. We trade based on certain value pillars. And so what I mean by that is if somebody asked me for a discount, I found most owners, if they didn't have a plan, they would just start arbitrarily cutting things and throw themselves under the bus from a profit standpoint. So I, I think it's just good. It's helpful to just know that, hey, there's certain things that you put into your, your value proposition from a pricing standpoint, how much the customer buys, how fast they pay you, how long right. they can get for, and how fast they sign. And so if somebody came to me and said, hey, it's a down economy, can we have a 20% discount on this, on this service? I would usually respond with like, hey, here's how I built my pricing. It's on these four things. Which of these can you meet me in the middle on, or which of these can you give more on so that I could work with you on that price? Because right. again, instead of buying, you know, so maybe instead of buying a 13 month service, you buy a 20 month service. Right. And maybe I can work with you on that because that again gives me more runway and cash flow. Or right. hey, if we can get this signed like this week, that helps me predict my next quarter's cash flow. That's worth it to me. I might give you a discount. I love it. So I think it's just knowing that and kind of having that prepped. And then the final thing I'd say is just find a high performing network of entrepreneurs. You got to be a little bit like out there to, to be an entrepreneur in general. You need people around you that are sharing ideas that are like, there's a morale piece to that. There's just a best practice sharing. Like if you're, you're that. if you're siloed, right. You just, you don't even see what's happening, right. You don't hear the stories. It doesn't give you the validity to go, okay, I know other people are doing this. I'm going to go, tr- Oh wow. I just saw some success. Right. You, you hear other ideas because you're so close to it, right? This is the classic conversation we always talk about. It's like so many owners are just stuck in the business. They never work on it. Part of working on the business is also surrounding yourself with high-performing entrepreneurs. And I love that you said high-performing. I think that was so incredibly crucial <laughs> because I also see a lot of entrepreneurs go hang out like, oh, they own a business. Like, yeah, but they're not moving. They're actually just sitting around complaining about their situation. That's not who you want to surround yourself with. Look, every business is different, right? I think we can all agree, Colin, when we get in with a business owner, 
when we do our assessment, when we dig in, we always see a very different roadmap. But what I really like about these offensive tactics is that this is all, so much more even about mindset still, about just like, how do you approach from, again, pricing, right? Or how do you approach from your language? It's like, it's just having the right mindset and still going for it. And that would be the thing I would add on top of it is I have, you know, I was, you know, ownership group of a, a large painting franchise system, you know, when the 2008 bubble hit. And, you know, if you don't think that affected homes, well, you, you're not familiar with what happened in 2008, right? So as we're going off and painting homes and, and, and doing that franchise system, we grew massively in my area during that, during that approach. When I look at what we dealt with with this last one, we grew massively through that period. It was a mindset. I didn't say, oh, it's something. I just said, we might have to work twice as hard. We may have to get more creative. We may have to approach the business differently. And I feel like you've really done a good job of just tangibly laying some things out to get people processing and shifting. So for all of our entrepreneurs listening in today, hear this loud and clear. It comes down to you. It actually comes down to you getting a conversation with your leadership team, getting a conversation, putting out the plan and taking action not inaction, not like, let's see how this goes. It's no, what, let's go shift. It's reprioritizing your calendar and it's going about things differently to adjust based on the turbulence and how you are affected. And I hope everybody hears that loud and clear. Carl, we've got to wrap up. This has been a wealth of knowledge. No surprise. I expected no different. So thank you for your contribution. I know everybody listening in is very appreciative of the advice and direction you're giving. Any just final words of wisdom or just any other final thoughts you'd love to leave anybody with as they continue on their entrepreneurial journey for all the audience that's listening in today? This isn't like a secret piece of info, but if you look at all the, you know, a lot of the iconic brands that exist today, a lot of them started during recessions. And I know it can be fearful and scary when you start to see markets dip down, but the ones that I've seen really thrive the most embrace it and say, you know, you can make, even make a T-chart and, hey, what's the worst that could happen? And go the doom and gloom. And then you can on the other side say, what's the, what are all the opportunities that could come out of this? And I bet you'll find that side has many, many, many more than on the other side. So final thought. Love it. Love it. Well, everybody listening in, if you would like to have a conversation with Colin and maybe get a couple hours to talk about your business, jump onto our website at cultivatedadvisors.com. Let us know you want to have a conversation with Colin and we will set it up as quick as we can. Again, this is Catapult Your Business, where we are hoping to propel your business one question at a time. And today's question was, how do I help my business grow and thrive during an economic turbulent event or a recession? Essentially, as Colin would say, it's time to recession-proof your business. Thanks for joining. I hope this helps you continue on with your entrepreneurial journey. And as always, we will see you next week for another question to help you catapult your business. Take care, everybody.